0: The Coaching You podcast is presented by Huddle Basketball and Huddle Assist, your best solution to capture and analyze every aspect of the game from the first tip to the final buzzer. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast presented by Huddle and Huddle Assist. And this is your coach, Brendan Sir. Uh, Really excited today with Steve Donahue. And after this quick timeout, we're going to get right into it. Prepare like the pros with the new FastDraw. FastDraw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content resources through their blog and PlayBank. Which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit fastmodelsports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next FastModel purchase. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention coaching you or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Here with Steve Donahue, the head coach of University of Pennsylvania, or as we in basketball like to refer to it as Penn, a great, great basketball school. Steve, welcome, my friend.
1: Brendan, thanks for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. Uh, As I told you before, I've listened to all your podcasts and uh, usually on a walk, in particular now during the Pandemic, so thanks for having me
0: on. Well, you know, I, I you know, you're most welcome, and I have a lot of coaches that uh they think I'm like their exercise program, you know, they want me to do more than 45 minutes, 45 minutes, and under for their you know their walks or their elliptical type thing. And so, for you know, I called our friend uh Eric Musselman, who our friend David Patrick works for, and I told him yesterday. My friend, I gave you an hour and 20 minutes the other day in our last, our 200th episode. So hopefully, and Eric probably had no trouble doing the workout, you know, so, (laughs) but, uh, you know, and, and we love doing it, but you know, I, you know, because David Patrick's one of our best friends in coaching, uh, and we speak every single day, uh, he has been telling me since the pandemic started about what. You and your affectionately called Motley Crew do during the pandemic to keep learning. Talk about that if you would.
1: Well, um, it's a group of guys. Uh, we've always gotten together at the Final Four, uh, and the friendship and the camaraderie has grown over the years. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, we said, "Let's let's try to be productive here." and We did Tuesdays and Fridays Zooms, um, usually a theme. Uh, special speaker, um, put one of us on the spot and talk about something we like to hear about from your program, and I tell you what, for five or six months, it, it was pretty consistent, and uh, I feel like, you know, and this is the beauty, Always one of the silver linings in this pandemic is I feel like I got closer to those guys and learned at the same time things I really think better of me as a coach, and, and I have so much respect for the group, so uh, it's been a blast.
0: You know, Steve, I think one of the problems that, and the reason actually we, Kevin Eastman and I started coaching you was, we and having been a college coach for 15 years myself, I felt that the job, college coaching is so different than pro coaching because of the recruiting aspect. It never ends. Yeah. It's 12 months a year, and Uh, then worrying about, you know, you don't have to as much as the others, but, you know, worrying about the kids' academics or keeping an eye on them and stuff, the player development, the alumni relations, the fundraising, whatever we're assigned to do. Uh, And it's not a lot of basketball. And so as much as we should spend for basketball coaches. And so Kevin and I said, you know, we need to, you know, we need to, invest as assistant coaches the poor assistants i we didn't think we're getting invested in so that's how we started coaching you the clinic that was how that all came about and uh and so the thing about what happened last you know spring i think our coaches as a group assistant coaches head coach i think they really spent time on developing as coaches for the first time in ages which is great yeah, I, I think it's a critical piece. I think young coaches um, just skip
1: over, and that's developing your craft. Yeah. Um, and I tell young guys all the time, like, this isn't as much as recruiting and working hard, and that's very important. But you need to, one, develop your craft for yourself, but also bring value to your program, whatever level you're at. And, and as you say, continue continues to develop. and. Since the time I got in till now, uh, the recruiting has gotten so cutthroat that everyone has kind of bunkered up and stopped sharing ideas uh, like initially when I got into business 30 wow. some years ago. And I don't. I, I mean, Fernando Hanlon has a line that I love at Coach at Lafayette. He says, there's no secrets in basketball. We're all in this together. Let's Let's share ideas. And get better.
0: Franny's right. Uh, but my, my my experience with our college coaches, and I often say it, is college coaches act like they invented the game and yeah. act like they have all these secrets that, you know, if a spy from a foreign country was trying to take it from them. And the NBA, the coaches there, they give you, you've had coaches on your Motley Crue Zooms, Jeff Van sure. Gundy, right? People like that. They give yeah. you everything. They don't hold anything back because because you know, they just believe it. If I got better players and they play hard that day and we'll play together, we're going to win. If not, so what? You know, I mean, but they don't try to. They share everything, and I think that is so cool. If you really want to learn basketball from the outside, pro coaches will share everything they have with you. <laughs> it's just my. Opinion. And I
1: agree with you. I totally agree with you. I and think if you continually share ideas it actually brings some more creativity to you mm-hmm. that somebody might see something that you can use in addition to what you're doing and that's that's growth that's how you get better
0: you know 100 percent you know philly i i found you know being in the nba for years you know so many of our referees were from that area and half of them went to Cardinal O'Hara or Bonner. As
1: I did. Yep.
0: I did. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and and then I got to be a camper. I came up the basketball camp way through Five Star, and so we had Buddy Gardler and all those guys from my Philly. coach. And, yeah, yeah, he's the best. And and so that's how I came up. And there's nothing like a Philly basketball guy, in my opinion. You know, I mean, when I see Joey Crawford to this day you know, he would scream and curse at me or Chuck or Fratello or Yubi, uh, you know, but now when he sees me, it's a big, a hug and a kiss. And, you know, Steve Javi and all these guys, their, yeah. their passion for the game. Where do you think that comes from Philly? And I, and it's different than New York, Chicago, or Detroit, in my opinion.
1: It's, it's different. And I've been away for 16 years. I was in Ithaca, New York at Cornell, and then at Boston college, yep. uh, It just doesn't exist. And it's one of the reasons I kind of fell in love with basketball. I would go to the Palestra and see a doubleheader, and I'd just be mesmerized on the sidelines with Raleigh Massimino and Don Casey and Jack McKinney and Chuck Daly. And I think the Palestra and the five teams playing right there, I think that's where the root of it is, that we all – felt that was home and and when one of us was playing someone else on the national level we all rooted and supported and we still do yeah and i think that's that that tightness with each other um one it, it just attracts so many people that want to be a part of it and two it just guys become close and it, it becomes a real brotherhood
0: the palestra is such a magical place i got to play in there as a player. And believe it or not, and then I coached in there as a college coach. And and then to listen to Chuck Daly tell me stories about it or Fratello when he was at Villanova with Rolly, uh, it, it, the stories and everything. And Big Five basketball, the players that you had there, they were mm-hmm. national programs, I mean, back then. I mean, I mean the, Penn had – you know, obviously they were oh. the Final Four team way back when, and I mean, but always had. You know, how many Ivy League championships have you guys had in your history? Yeah, twenty six. Twenty six championships. Yeah. and and for years it was you and Princeton would just dominate yeah. that thing, you know, and and I I just think it was so great, and and no one can that that's outside the East can appreciate what you know basketball was like in the East pre Big East pre a 10 all that stuff you know uh 60s 70s and early 80s uh you know it was just something else and and the coaches were legendaries and it was it's a great great place but tell me uh if you would tell me working for fran Duffy, who i think is an iconic coach and a dear friend i love him tell me what it was like and how much you learned from fran
1: yeah, I was obviously very fortunate um, to be on his staff, Fran O'Hanlon, who I'd become yep. close with at the time, uh, back in the late 80s, playing basketball and pickup, and Fran Delphi got the job. I did not know Fran. I obviously knew what a great player he was in, at LaSalle, um, but I got the job, um, and I probably got it because it was a volunteer position. It didn't pay, and um I worked there five years as a volunteer and then five more as a full-time. But I think the biggest takeaway for me, and I still remember thinking this, what it was going to be like to the coach in the big five. I was Hmm. just couldn't believe I was that fortunate. But from his standpoint, it wasn't the X's and O's. Um, It wasn't the tactical part, but it was two things. One, how he treated people. And it could be... In the heat of the moment, a referee, Uh, it could be a janitor, it could be whoever. Fran's ability to connect with people was flat out amazing. Uh, And then two, his ability to go between the lines and be as competitive and still hold that first, you know, the class of being a great competitor, but no one was more competitive. So that ability to have that kind of class and still compete the way he did uh, I just was amazed, and I, I think back all the time now. It's, it's that was my foundation, and I was very fortunate.
0: I want to skip one piece that I, I'll come back to, but did you ever think that Fran would leave Penn, and then I think the hardest thing to do in coaching is to replace a legend and to replace John Cheney at John Cheney. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I think for me, it was at the time it was difficult. Yeah. Um, but for, it's, it's funny as much as it, from the outside, Lee Penn go to temple. It's almost like it's just a, a different branch of our family. Uh, it's another big five school. And, and I, I love. If you don't know the story, Fran went to John Cheney first and I'm not taking it. He said, I'm not taking this job unless I get your blessing. Uh, and I think that that's exactly how we handle things. We hope to in Philadelphia, and Fran did that, and uh, and he did an amazing job at Temple. Just yeah. an incredible. I think he went to nine NCAA tournaments.
0: Yeah, no. I, when I was at UCF, I got to coach against him, and it was such an honor. And you know, and you know, and I I, I just thought the world of him. And you know, and obviously didn't even have all the knowledge and background uh, that you know you have with him. But tell me, when you left him after the ten years with him. And I mm-hmm. love that you did five years as a volunteer. You know, nowadays the first question a young coach says, "Hey, coach, I want to get where you are. How much now, does it? How much does it pay?" Right? You know, correct. Right. You know, uh, but you know, uh, how hard was it to get the Cornell job? And then, did you know what you were getting into? <laughs> the
1: answer is, I you know. I've, I, I was interviewing like crazy, and, you know, their, Division One jobs are hard to get. Real hard. And I can't say I wasn't, after 10 years, getting a little discouraged. We won six out of the last Ivy League titles, and, you know, we got three NBA players, and we had a lot of success. So I was grateful when I got the Cornell job, and I got it late in the in August. Scott Thompson, who was the head coach, came yep. down with uh, prostate cancer. He's, he's still great today, but... So that I get to hire in September or I probably don't get that job. Uh, there would have been a lot more competition for it. Um, and then I thought I had all the answers, like all young coaches. and I got my brains beat in for five years and until and I figured it out. And I was fortunate enough that a guy named Andy Noel at Cornell believed in what we were doing, uh, even though we really didn't show much. Um, and he stuck with me and we eventually, like anything else, got the right people and had great success based on uh, just an incredible group of players and assistant coaches.
0: The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including cl- complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them, and assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit Huddle.com slash assist. That's hud slash assist to learn more. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform. They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with. Because on this assessment, that you can take it in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone. The things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer as far as I'm concerned. I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. The emphasis right now on your players' mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com. Or visit their website at mindview.com. You know, to win three Ivy Championships at Cornell, I think it's it's one of the most incredible feats in college basketball, and that is not that is said it's strictly in praise. It's a phenomenal school, but the Ivy coaches, my friends that are Ivy coaches, tell me the two hardest jobs are Cornell and Dartmouth, mainly because of location.
1: It is, um, but that's the beauty of basketball, Brendan. I think we all know that. Like, man, if I can just get this kid and that kid and and put this together, um, I can go. I can go beat the teams we beat during that stretch, and go to Madison Square Garden and beat St. John's, and take Kansas to the wire. I think that's what we all love about college basketball. Uh, it's not like football where you got to
0: yeah.
1: get a hundred guys, and and basketball there's there's the beauty of five guys and uh, one ball, and play the right way, and you got a chance. That's we got the right people and we played the right way uh, and it was a blast
0: you had a great style of play there too i thought that did you uh develop into that style when you went to cornell or was it something you strictly took from penn because it, w- it looked a little different to me it
1: is yeah. it was very different i think for five years at penn i thought i could play a certain way yeah uh, get great players and win and we're just not going to do that so um after getting our brains beat in i had a great assistant named Izzy Metz um, at the time and Zach Spiker's head coach at Drexel and Matt Graham. And we just, after a while, we said, we got to come up with something unique a little bit. And we played in Europe and I was enamored with the style and the bigs out away from the basket and the cutting. Um, And I kind of combined that with the way Princeton and Pete Carrill played and, and fit us and, the song was come come to Penn and i um, excuse me come to Cornell and we're going to play a fun style uh, we're going to shoot some threes and and play together. Um, it was kind of after that trip to Europe that we we kind of started putting our stamp on how we wanted to play.
0: That's great. So when you have all that success there, now you how did the whole Boston College thing come about? Did they, yeah. did they come for yeah. you because you had such incredible success at such a great academic school?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And that's, you know, the part of the sport that's really rough. We got to the Sweet 16. Um, we lost to a, a Kentucky team with John Wall and Bledsoe and Cousins and played great. Just wasn't enough. And, you know, that night I get a call from Boston College. Wow. And in 48 hours, you got to make a decision. Wow! And leave, and, um, <laughs> and that's the way it is. And it was, um, it was a shame, like you couldn't celebrate with your guys and enjoy it. But uh, it's just the way the business works. And uh, I was grateful for the opportunity. I thought it was a great fit, and and even now, as I sit back, I'm I'm so glad I did it. Uh, it was it was an incredible experience.
0: So. You know, like happens to all of us in coaching at some point uh, as I'm not sure if it was UB Brown or Chuck, probably Chuck, because he was he had that Ben Franklin, you know, philosophy about him. And he he just said, you know what? We all have an expiration date, you know, and, and, you know, and, you know, he got, as I say, he's one of the few coaches in the world that can coach for 12 years as a head coach and be in the Hall of Fame and got fired at his first head coaching job in the NBA in 93 days by the Cleveland Cavaliers, which, and, you know, the guy, you know, just, you know, just comes out of it and does an incredible job. So when you, when you, when you go to BC, what were your biggest challenges?
1: Um, there's there's a lot of challenges. Um, obviously, the league at that time, all the conferences expanding. I think changed the job. Went from 12 teams back to 11 to 15, and we added, you know, some incredible programs: uh, Notre Dame, Louisville, uh, Syracuse played. And I, I think that's one thing. And then that 15 teams, and I, and I think at the time, uh, Boston College were still figured out uh, that they were similar to what the Big East was, which was more of a, a bus league in the Northeast. But that being said, um, I, I take full responsibility for I mean, that was. I mean, think, I think there's a big difference, Brendan, between fault and responsibility. I don't think it's anybody's fault it didn't work. There's a lot of things going into play anytime you take over a difficult situation. But the bottom line is it was my responsibility. Mm-hmm. and i didn't do as quick a job or as good a job as they wanted and that's got to be understood i take full responsibility what i love about it is i learned so much i probably skipped some steps that made me a better coach when i got to pen uh and i loved every day at bc except the day i was let go <laughs> um, and it was something our family loved and all of us loved and and i'm in a great place uh Essentially, because of it. When
0: when you left BC, did you have a year where you, as we call it in the Ivy League, did you have a gap year? Uh, <laughs> we did. I never we heard that term until year. Obama said it with his daughter. You know, when she was going to go to Harvard, she's going to do a gap year, and I never heard yeah. that. I love it. I love it.
1: Yeah, it's a great, and I
0: did. Yeah,
1: and it was, it was an incredible experience, and I think that's where I really appreciate our business. There, there's so many people that wanted to reach out and help. Um, we talked about the Motley Crew and and John Gallagher and Porter Moser and um, David Patrick and Chris Harriman and Mike Martin and and then. But like the moment I let, I let go, I get a I get a call from Mike Krzyzewski. Um and just all those Tony Bennett, almost everybody in the league. And so I spent a year. I went around to pro practices and, and college practices, and then I did th- uh, games for ESPN and Fox, and I just took inventory. I just tried to go back and figure out what went wrong, what went right, and if I get my next chance, here's A to Z, uh, what I was going to do differently.
0: Did you know or did you – because you never know what's going to happen, what jobs are going to open, especially you, yeah. when you have a whole year. Did you say that I might be a better fit in the Ivy or did you really care?
1: I, I, don't, I don't think it's a better fit in the Ivy, honestly. Uh, I, I um, didn't, and I didn't mean it that I, way.
0: I mean, I just no, think I think people yeah.
1: assume that. But, like, it's not much different. What, what I think the beauty of Penn is – and when I looked at jobs, I said, gosh, I – you know, your agent starts coming to you in January because, you know, he's getting some feedback from search firms that this job's going to open, that job's going to open. And I probably looked at 15 of those, not that I could get them anyway, but if I could, I wasn't excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of hard jobs. And what what separates that job from another? And then the Penn job opens up, and, and Penn had little to do with me what it was that it was close to home and it was home. It wasn't that. What it was was an incredible place that values education but at the same time is committed to athletic excellence. And that's what I wanted. I knew I could attract great kids and and, and play a national schedule and, and compete on a national level. That's what excited me about it. So when that came open, and, you know, of course I was real excited and uh, and prepared and, and made sure I addressed all the things that I thought I could do for the program.
0: You know, as coaches, I think, and, and I've had gap years, uh, and some have been better than others, but, you know, we, we as coaches, we have a routine, I think, you know, when we're working, yeah. you know, and, you know, whatever you do. And I remember when UB Brown, who was my high school coach, and uh, UB and I were in Fratello in Atlanta, and all of a sudden, he got fired. I mean, yeah. any guy's coach of the year when they first get there, and i was like, bang, he gets fired, and like, I immediately panic. I didn't what what the hell am I going to do? I don't Are I don't you... even know about the NBA, and thank God Fratello and I were immediately hired with the Hawks to stay there, and uh, but, you know, Yubi said to us, uh, you know, you got to get a routine every day, you know, if you get let go. What was your routine? And what would you recommend as a routine for anyone? And and you have to develop a, a, this year. Uh, you know, you have a mandatory gap year. <laughs> by no, no your, doubt. We, you don't. Know, I, I think what, when yeah.
1: you let go in this business, I think there's, and I looked at this over the years, just watching
0: mm-hmm.
1: our business and how guys handle getting fired. Yes. And I I just I observed, and then I watched. Who rebounded from it and who didn't? And the overriding thing was, if you're going to be bitter, and you're going to point fingers, and you're going to blame others, uh, you're just not going to be able to bounce back and get better from it. And I said to myself the day after it happened, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very grateful for where I'm at, uh, and figure out a way to get better. And the routine is. I think that's such a great word. I talk to my guys and how you can get in a great routine. Um, and I do it every day. I plan my day now. Um, I separate time for certain things, mm-hmm. whether it's tactical things and my mental health, my physical health, uh, recruiting. But the routine is important. And that was a big part of that year out. I I thought I planned all the things I wanted to. I wanted to. I had like 35 coaches. I wanted to personally see their practices, and I did, and I thought it made me better. And you're right. This year was kind of the same. I'm kind of using it as a sabbatical and trying to watch as many games and then calling guys after I see something I like or maybe something I don't like, and I, I want to know why they're doing it.
0: Good call. Yeah. Uh, so it's been great. Yeah, I think uh, I, I've o- often thought, you know, and, you know Doc Rivers. You know, as I mentioned, was a player of mine in Atlanta, and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I recommended to him after he finished his long career. I said, you know, I think Doc, you'd be a hell of a coach, and he's. He basically told me to go screw you. Know you don't. Know, <laughs> I, I, it's the last thing I want to be like you. He said, you know, and Fratello and all these guys. I want to be like Riley. No way. I Don't want to do that. And so, when he got fired in with the Clippers. He called me up and he said, I've been at 22 st- straight training camps wow. since I started coaching, since you got me into coaching. <laughs> and, and I said, well, you know what? It's going to be good for you to take a year off. Yep. And then next morning he got a call from four teams. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy, and, and he's so happy that he's back, and and he almost didn't have time to even think about it, right? You know, and bang, yeah. happened right away, and now he didn't even get a, to take a deep breath, and but you know what? I think for him that it worked out, but uh, yeah. I think the I think the idea of a sabbatical is healthy, really healthy. Yeah. That's why professors Thanks. do it, uh, yeah. You Uh get fresh.
1: And listen, this this is a tough year for everybody. Yes. In the business, but I feel, I even feel for, you know, it wasn't a typical year off in the sense that there wasn't a lot of openings either. Yeah, um, And like old our motley crews, Tim Miles, who did an yeah. incredible job at Nebraska.
0: Terrific job. Uh, yeah,
1: Like, talk about a hard job in a hard league and took him to the NCA tournament and won 13-5 and five one year didn't go. And, and Tim is, you know, just because of the circumstances, no jobs were open, but I mean, I love his attitude. He's in there. He's learning. He's teaching us. Um, And that's that's kind of what you have to do when when you're out of the job.
0: You have to make sure you're getting better. Um, And I think that's that's the lesson for all of us. Um, You know, at Penn, uh, you know, the kids there are incredibly gifted academically, you know, as people. Um, And so you're working with some, you know, really great, great young men. Uh, one of the things on the college campus that I get concerned about is their what we call mind health. You know, some people call it mental health. I, I like yeah. to refer to it as mind health. Their wellness. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's you know, since the pandemic has started, there have actually been studies where the college age student, at eighteen to twenty three, twenty five over twenty five percent have con- considered hurting themselves, mm-hmm. you know? and that's frightening. Uh, not athletes, all students. Uh, that's a f- that's a terrible, terrible number for me, uh, you know. Uh, and so, obviously, as an educator, as a coach, there's no one more influential and impactful to young people as the coach, in my opinion. So, uh, is this something that you're concerned about uh, your mental well-being of your guys?
1: And there's no question. Uh, listen, as a father of yes. a uh, daughter who's a freshman at Penn, and, you know, basically she spent the semester in her bedroom. Um, and with our guys, and I, and I, this is the one thing, and we talked about our decision not to play, and um, and I see both sides of this, there's no simple answer, but I will say the thing that worried me the most was uh, we took away something that these guys built their whole lives for and their identity as players, and um, it's been really rough on these guys, in particular because they see others playing and their peers, and yeah. Um, I think we've done as much as we can supporting them in terms of uh, keeping them focused on the, the long term that they are getting a year back that you can maybe we'll look back on this in three years and I'll have a couple extra uh, players that stayed a fifth year and really helped us be better and And that's my goal is that just the next couple of years for these guys to be great but Brendan you're so right on the, the virus is Really bad for all of us, but for young people, when you're young, only once, and you take these these special experiences, whether it's high school seniors and graduations, and for our guys, Kyle's basketball, and the, the thrill and the excitement that they build their their whole life for, taken away, it's it's obviously been very hard.
0: Now I know you have a great, great ad there, Miss Calhoun, and really people think highly of her, and and so yep. I know she's on a lot of. Great committees and stuff, and very influential person. But one of the things that the idea of just uh, when I was early in the season at Stetson, uh, we had one player tested positive twice, different player each time. And so those kids who were fine, 100% fine, went into 14 day quarantines, and the school would not let them out of their room, out of their room. And so all of a sudden these kids come to college for an experience. And all of a sudden they're locked in a room. And and I think that is it was almost cruel. It was almost like being in a in a solitary confinement for these kids. And uh forget what it did to them basketball wise, but mental health wise and and they were not the same when they got out of there twenty eight days, you know, out of thirty three. That's how that's how mm-hmm. awful you know. And so I felt felt for them, and I I really wish the kids in the Ivies would just be able to practice. Just the idea. almost. almost And so we're
1: going to do that in the second semester. Good. Good. And we're going to have everybody on campus. Uh, Testing is really going to be ramped up, and we'll really give these kids the best experience we possibly can in January, February, March, April. Um, That's great. And and you're you're right on. I mean I, I the the issue with this in our whole country is there's no right or wrong answer because I see both sides. Yeah. It's this devastating thing in our lifetime that we ever had to deal with. And we're we're hopefully seeing the uh, light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines and man, are we gonna appreciate life uh, when it's back to normal again?
0: I agree a hundred percent. Hi, this is Brendan Sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs, and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training, and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and middle school recess to physical education class. It can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.play360hoops.com. To learn more about this new innovative product, make sure you mention Coaching You for a ten percent discount. Now, let's, Steve, talk to me about the Motley Crew. Let's go over, um, let's go over all the guys that are on it because I think the diversity of the group is, uh, you know, with the different guys—some being head coaches, some assistants, and stuff like that. If you could, uh, and talk to talk to our group because. You know, I th- I think, you know, Larry Shiat's a great friend, and, you know, he's always been someone that's really into growth mindset and learning, and that's what your group is, uh, you know, and that everyone can start their own motley crew, so to speak, yeah. and, and, you know, and, you know, with, you know, not just people to think like them. It doesn't, and it can be all assistant coaches. You can be all head. It doesn't matter, or or can have both. You know, groups. But talk about your group, if you wouldn't, a little background on each guy.
1: Sure, uh, John Gallagher is probably the uh, the leader of the pack, and that's uh, <laughs> it's not a real good uh, title for a guy, but uh, he'll be the leader of the pack of the motley crew. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know John, John's head coach at
0: I know, I, I know Gal real well. He's, yeah. I love him. Yeah.
1: And He also played for Buddy Gardler, and he's a Philly guy. And I think that's where it all starts. John's a great connector. Everybody knows John. I um, literally every coach in the country probably knows him. But he has a, a beautiful thing about him that he he brings everybody together. And we have fun at the same time. You know, we challenge each other, and uh, we're not afraid to say ask why you do these things and and question them and And we did that for that time. So John's at Hartford and Matt Mahalik and Joe Mihalik. Matt's a a prep coach at Avon Old School. And uh, Joe Mahalik Jr. is my assistant uh, at Penn. Joe Mihalik Sr. is uh, taking a leave of absence from Hofstra, but he's a big part of it, still a guy. Um, And then we kind of go Mike Martin, who was in the Ivies at Brown, but also an assistant at Penn is a contributing guy and, um, he, he's also playing. Think about that. He's in our league and him and I are sharing all ideas. Isn't that great? We do.
0: That, that's uh, that's great. Yeah. I'd love no, that. No I question.
1: Love... Porter Moser, um, is a friend and someone that uh, we really round around when he got to the final four. And, um, that's kind of where the, uh, Motley Crew basically started. Um, <laughs> uh, you talked about David Patrick down at um, Arkansas. Now, David, when he started, was at Riverside, and he had to make a decision. And I think he leaned on a lot of us in the business and what was right and uh, made the decision to go down there, and I couldn't be more happy for him because he's a, a great coach, and I, I know he'll be a head coach again real soon.
0: Exactly. He's he's very special.
1: And Chris Harriman is assistant at Cal. Um, another great coach we talked about Tim Miles that was at Nebraska and he's a part of our crew I'm um, going to forget anybody now me, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody <laughs> um, and then we have a couple guys that are non-coaches that always come around and Harry Rosenberg is a an ex-Wall Street guy that throws some reality at us when we're speaking out of term I retired and living in LA and Of course, like all fans and alumni, has all the answers. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, we got Babs. Uh, He only goes by Babs. He's a Philly guy, Delco guy, and uh, he keeps us in line as well. Um, he's also
0: John Gallagher's cousin. So yeah, no, I, I now I being a northeast guy and, and a Jersey boy and uh, uh, knowing uh, what a Delco guy is, tell <laughs> tell our, tell our listeners all uh, one hundred thousand plus in a hundred pl- countries around the world, uh, tell them what, what what a Delco guy is.
1: A Delco guy is um, just a down to earth. Tell it like it is. Maybe embarrassingly so. <laughs> Uh, and lives in Delaware County, which has a bookie and a bar on every corner. Um, that's who it is. And that's and I'm a Delco guy and crowd of it. And so it's John Gal and Babs and uh, and that's that's right outside of Philly and it's a uh, it's a proud area of hoops too as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's fabulous. We've had a few referees. Jeff Van Gundy is Duk- an
1: honorary Motley Crue. Yeah. He doesn't tell about like to that. be called that, but yeah. we tell- drug him in
0: on a on a lot of our calls. Yeah, tell how Jeff got in there. That's a good question. You know what? He's a Nazareth grad, and we we kill
1: him because he's probably the only guy that ever transferred out of the Ivy League, yep. Yale, and went to junior college, <laughs> and then went to Nazareth. And things worked out for him, but yeah. still, we like to bust his chops. And Joe Mihalik Jr. went to Nazareth, and we were watching something. We said, Joe, why don't you call Jeff Van Gundy? See if we can get him on or pick his brain about some things. And sure enough, he kept coming back for more. Um, So it's been great. It's a great addition to the crew.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, his brother, Stan, uh, is, you know, when I was in Orlando, Stan was the coach of the Magic and, you know, and obviously coaching against Jeff and Stan for years. And then when uh, Stan gets fired with the Magic, because uh, Dwight Howard doesn't like him anymore, uh, you know, he uh, literally. And uh, so here's the guy getting paid, you know, a nice sum just to do a gap year. And uh, and once a week minimum, he would come over to see Donnie Jones and I at UCF, sit down in my office, and we would talk wow. all for five hours and and because the guy has an incredible desire to learn and get better but the the thing i loved about stan is he's the best sharer of his knowledge of anyone i've ever met and jeff is similar right
1: yeah listen before i go on i I had two members of the crew that are basically uh the board members that there ever was. And one is Dan Levovitz, who's the,
0: Oh my God. Is the associate
1: commissioner of the SEC. Dear friend. And Danny keeps us in line all the time. When we start complaining about refs and things like that. And the other was Dave Polly who's a, Oh gosh. a And the former head coach at the university of the sciences in Philly. And an amazing coach. And, um, like he just dropped us something in the crew today. Uh, the defensive thoughts of, um, of just closeouts and how we handled it went on. Uh, It was great. It was Pete Knowles' take on defense for today. And I wrote down three things that I never even thought of.
0: How about that? So
1: Dave Paul is a a huge part of our crew as well.
0: So so do you guys have your own uh, group text? We do. (laughs) I love that. We do.
1: Listen, last night we watched... Loyola versus
0: yeah. Wisconsin. So did I. Yeah. On a Zoom. No so way. We're
1: watching a game, and we're throwing notes and picking apart what Porter was doing, and we watched it all together on Zoom.
0: And we haven't done a review yet from his bus ride home from Madison, probably. But we probably called him up. And probably, <laughs> you know, called, who, probably called yeah, him up and said we liked, those you you know, we liked done. your ghost screen. we liked the ghost screen. You know, like ran, you know, to get your know, open jumpers. Yeah. <laughs> That he probably stole from one of you guys on on one of your Zooms during the year. But uh, that's that's fabulous. He's a terrific guy. Um, Yeah. I love it. Porter's an
1: amazing coach and done a great job at Loyola. They have a great team this year. They're going to be really good.
0: Uh, Wisconsin's pretty damn good, too. Oh,
1: my gosh. Are they good? Yeah. Older, stronger, tougher. Uh, I'm telling you, I think they're national champion good.
0: What do we? Uh, so where do we go now? We're we're in December. It seems like we're probably in March already. But <laughs> I know, and that's the truth. So when when do we get our kids back in to actually work with so
1: Our Kids come back to school on January twentieth. Okay. Well, have an introduction period, and I I I think by February one, we'll be out drilling our guys and getting them in shape and and getting back into our routine for them.
0: And this is. What I say to some coaches, when they uh, come out of uh, quarantine with the team, uh, you'll never be more enthused to go oh, to I practice in your life than you will be this year. Isn't that no crazy? question. Uh, it's the craziest thing. Steve, man, I'm so glad we finally got a chance to talk because I've been a huge fan of yours for years. And and uh, and every time DP tells me how great the Motley Crude calls are, you know, I, I he tried to get me a guest appearance one time, and and I got blown out for someone. But uh, maybe maybe this year I can I, I I led the country in Zoom calls. Maybe I can get in there once and, uh, and we
1: love to have you.
0: No, uh, you got. I don't
1: know if you want to lower yourself to the crew though.
0: No, find it, I I I find uh, <laughs> I find I find uh, challenges now. When you're at my age now, you look for challenges. So, and and any time I get to go against Gal Gal and Lieber, which are challenge so yeah uh, i would add doubt
1: that is no question we may never let you out though that's the thing once you're in oh, no. oh, it's God. like a mafia <laughs> you can't leave
0: i love that but hey thank you so much and i can't wait to hear how things go in the spring with your kids that's yeah. fabulous
1: brendan, you provide a great service to all the coaches with this podcast i eh? can't thank you enough for doing it well, thanks for having me on
0: well thank you appreciate it Till next week this is the coach brendan sir